This is a Glass Box Media Podcast. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hello and welcome to the Blank Podcast, the podcast where we talk to well-known guests about their lives, their careers and those difficult moments along the way. I'm Giles Poe Phillips and with me as ever is Jim Daly. Hello, hello. I brought a prop for this week's podcast, which I just realized was in my bag because I went to see my mate Rob for a drink yesterday. Uh, the day I had, same day I had a haircut. I've got my comb. So just making sure that I'm looking... We should say it's not a, it's not like a gentleman's comb, is it? It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a lady's brush do you know what it, it's actually well it's actually it's a unisex quiff comb <laughs> so it's generally, it's also, it's generally called a quiff comb is it something like that yeah or whatever yeah maybe that's, that's but it's it's for sort of getting it's the old getting some it height. does work to be it's fair doesn't quite it? a lot of height there yeah there you go so that was a, like five a bit too much height so. i would say you've gone a bit johnny bravo it's, <laughs> it's great reference it's a bit johnny bravo yes it's better when it's a bit sort of down a bit but um Anyway, shout out to Luke, my hairdresser, absolutely top man, big man city fan. Um, but anyway, I wanted to make sure that I looked that I looked presentable for you, Giles, because I know that we we don't do this. This isn't a video podcast, mm. although we could offer that at some point. Who knows? But I know some pods do, but we are audio only. But I just wanted to make sure that, you know, that I look presentable for you. Make an effort. Yeah, sorry. I haven't made quite the same effort. <laughs> you look OK. Oh, you, look, yeah. you've, you've, you, look, you look, you've got that sort of just rolled out a bed of realness to you. <laughs> That is a backhanded compliment of ever. <laughs> it was one. a bit, yeah. Um, and it was you, intended though. to be as well. Thank you. Yeah, that's very kind. Um, yeah, I'm all right. How are you? I'm good, actually. Yeah, not too bad. I'm just being waved through the cabin window by my wife and my daughter who have just come back from a playgroup or dance dancing lesson for, mm. for Maria. So, And it's very it's a sunny day here. It's beautifully sunny. Um, so, yeah, we're in sort of... I'm in quite good spirits, actually. I'm, I'm, I'm you know, now that we're sort of... We're recording this early July, uh, starting to come out of lockdown and stuff. So mm. my mate Rob for a drink yesterday. Still cautious. I'm still wearing my mask on public transport, although it technically is the law. But I'm still, you know, being cautious. But it's nice to feel a little bit like things are getting back to normal. So I'm, I'm, mm. I'm actually, yeah, the serotonin's hitting me. I'm, I'm feeling good. 
I don't think there's anything wrong with being a little bit cautious about everything in life. Um, yeah. You know, we. so I think, yes, I think that's right. Actually, I think I'm going to continue to probably wear a mask when I go in shops and things. Well, I, I, I mean, I quite like wearing a mask. Like, there's, there's, I don't, I mean, it, it gets a bit hot under there sometimes. And like, sometimes I forget and I take a swig of water from my water bottle and it goes all over my face. And, you know, it's, you need to get used to having it. Mm. But there's something about wearing it I quite like. I think it's almost like, to me, seeing other people wear it instills a little bit of sort of public confidence. So mm. I, I hope that maybe it's the same with me wearing it. And that makes me feel part of the collective and that I'm sort of, you know, doing my bit for society. So I actually quite, I quite like wearing it. And to be honest, I probably will now, probably forever. Certainly if I've got a cold or I'm feeling a bit mm. run down and I'm going into town, 100% will. It may be forever. But I was, I was one of those guys that like, if I went to the toilet and I washed my hands and the door was one of those doors you had to pull to pull towards you, I would sort of like cover up my hand in my sleeve. Like I'm a bit germ phobic mm. like that anyway. And, I, and I'm, I'm delighted that I've been absolutely vindicated <laughs> in the last 18 months with that, with being a little, a little bit OCD. So I'm going to stick to my sort of slightly OCD ways because actually I think it's probably going to help us all get through this. Yeah, and absolutely. And it would be much more the norm, I think, seeing people wear masks on public transport and stuff like that, which, you know, we've often yeah. seen people from other countries doing that adopting that when they've been here i've seen that one you know gone on the tube or whatever and i think yeah obviously that would be the norm now and it'd be okay to you'd be socially accessible to do that so yeah that's fine i think so i think i think people from those countries actually turns out they're way ahead of the curve yeah <laughs> so no i think you're right it has become more socially acceptable as well so um you know but it's all for me it's all part of this positive i think we're heading in a positive direction i hope anyway i know obviously things might change mm. we might end up in lockdown four and as we all know from movie trilogies the fourth is always the worst so who knows what will happen with that but i'm trying to remain positive about things really and look forward and it's summer and the sun's out and um yeah i'm feeling good how are you doing yeah all right yeah thanks yeah it's been um been a busy old time so i can't complain working on lots of different projects that's um, good so yeah had a bit of a social media break which has been nice um, yeah, you said so. Are you are you back now, or are you still taking uh, some time off? Wow, I am back now. Yeah, <laughs> but it's been a good break. It worked. It worked. Yeah, me. yeah, yeah. No, it is. It's good. I think it's important to do those sort of things from now and again because um, it's very noisy on those on those platforms, isn't it? So I think it's good to have some yeah. time out. I think that's, yeah. I would advise all of our listeners to do that if you can, mm -hmm. if you're on social media. Whether it's a, a day or a week or two weeks or a month, you know, just take a bit of time off and um, recalibrate, read a book, you know, chill out. Listen to a and, podcast. And listen to a podcast. Well, I, I think actually, well, let's go into our tweets in a minute, actually. But I think a lot of people do actually find podcasts and, and, and you know, thankfully this one as well um, as a bit of a respite from the noise of the world, I think, actually, sometimes. So I, I'm glad you look at our tweets. I'm glad that we seem to be sort of uh, helping people uh, fill in that little that little moment sometimes when they need to take a break from stuff. And a lot of people listen on their walks when they're walking their dogs. And, um, you know, I'm glad that we can provide that. So, uh, yeah, thank you very much for letting us, you know, I think people welcome us into their world actually in probably quite quiet, vulnerable moments of their mm. lives. It's, you know, I feel, I feel quite honored that people do that. So, yeah. and in that vein, I've got a lovely tweet here from Vicky. Mm. Um, she's a Vicky hashtag LGBTQ Barisi have my heart. I don't know what that is, but Vicky, I love it. It sounds wonderful. She's put, I'm staying away from Euro 2020 talk. I mean, you're talking about noise, Giles. It was very noisy on social media during that. Uh, a lot of it, very negative, unfortunately. Yeah, horrible. Nice to see. And nice to see there's been a wave of actually positivity off the back of that. 
Um, I do believe there are more good people in the world than bad, and, and the good people have been showering those players in particular that Mr. Found is with love and, and praise, which is lovely to try and drown out the negativity. But but Vicky, I understand you're staying away from, from the noise. And she's but I've been doing that by listening to Blank Pod on the bus into work. There we go. Thank you, Charles and Jim, for the distraction. I started from the beginning. I only discovered it this year. I'm now up to episode 54. Wow. Wow. Still that is some dedication. Yeah. Fair play. And then and then I know you replied from our account as well, saying thank you. And uh, Vicky replied saying, thank you so much for the follow. I suffer with anxiety and depression and the podcast, even if I don't always recognize the guest, helps me relax and feel as if I'm not the only one who has blank moments. So thank you again for all you do. And that is really lovely to hear, mm. isn't it? Because, you know, we like to hope sometimes that our podcast helps people who might be going through a difficult moments. So for Vicky to, to share that, you know, we really appreciate that. And um, we're absolutely delighted to have you on board, Vicky. Yeah, thank you so much, Vicky. That's really kind. And thank you for being so candid about, you know, how how the listening to the podcast helps you in those moments. And um, yeah, uh, as a fellow anxiety sufferer, I can totally empathise with that. And um, yeah, thank you for sharing. And I'm glad that the podcast has been there for as a distraction for you. Um, I've got a lovely tweet here as well, um, Jim, from Dead as Dodos. It's Deborah. She says, uh, just finished listening to the uh, Jeremy Dyson episode. Brilliant interview with the admirable Blank Pod. Uh, you have such emotional, instinctive intelligence and wisdom that are both profound and kind. Hope you don't mind me saying it was wonderful to listen to. We absolutely don't mind you saying that. And uh, yeah, it was a no. great interview with, um, or conversation, I should say, with Jeremy. Yeah. It was as we completed the quadruple, as we ticked yeah. off our League of Gentlemen bingo cards. Um, yeah, it was a fantastic episode. And, and thank you, Deborah. Dead as Dodo as well. Lovely, lovely to yeah. handle that. That, that <laughs> raised a rice well, smile. Well, she's got a Dodo as a, as a image as well. So, yeah. <laughs> fantastic. Oh, well, she's keeping the Dodos alive in our yeah. hearts. Um, but thank you for that. <laughs> yes, that's, that's, uh, that's lovely to hear. So, um, thank you to everyone that, that mm. you know, we, we get a lot of tweets. We do try and read them all as well. And obviously we try and read some of them out on here, but please do keep getting in contact. And whether you are new like Vicky or you've listened, you know, from the start, we love all of you. And, you know, please do let us know what episodes have really sort of connected with you. Mm. Um, and we love hearing from you. Let, let's do, I know we do our Twitter handle at the end normally, but let's, let's do it now. This feels like it's been a mm. bit of a Twitter loving, hasn't it? So um, our Twitter handle, if you would like to tweet us about any episode is at blank pod. And we'll reveal the Instagram and Facebook at the end. Slight <laughs> spoiler. It's Massive plot twist. <laughs> um, um, well, yeah, we'll save it. We'll save it yeah. for the end. Um, well, let's, should we talk about another fantastic episode mm. this week? And we, we've got, I'm going to use the word formidable. And, 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 I, and I'm slightly worried about that because I know sometimes that can be used in a, neg in a negative connotation. And I was actually slightly, wasn't sure what to think today because I think today's guest is formidable. But it turns out he was formidable, formidably lovely yes and it was a really really interesting easy free-flowing very funny conversation with the one and only dom jolly yeah it was fantastic i'm a big fan of dom going back to trigger happy which is obviously a bit of a i suppose it was groundbreaking at the time and so but i know he you know he sort of alluded to it on in our conversation that he was kind of um inspired by sort of candid camera and uh, those kind of programs but very much more about the comedy of not making the person who is viewing that thing be the kind of butt of the joke, you know, not a Beatles about type sort of scenario where, you know, you crush someone's brand new car and, mm. you know, they get upset. It's much more that they're kind of passes by into the joke, perhaps, you know, it's, yeah, and that's really, really wonderful. And I think that's why we kind of really enjoyed Trigger Happy TV and it's obviously such a, a big hit. But I mean, it's 
does so much stuff. But a super accomplished individual has written many, many books, including The Downhill Hiking Club and uh, The Dark Tourist, which is a brilliant book. So lots of travel writing, and he's very prolific with everything that he does. Now, obviously, he's got a, a Twitch channel as well, which we talked about at the beginning of the podcast, which is really interesting and a, a, another platform for us all to kind of get involved with yeah i do have a twitch uh account i've never used it but i actually off the back of this i'm gonna, I'm gonna try try some things maybe because uh, he really sold twitch to be mm. honest um should be working on it fun it just looked like fun i was thinking i know <laughs> yeah um like ian lee who used to be on talk radio has a, his show is now broadcast on twitch so he does like a you know his radio phone-in show which is amazing and mm. um so i think it's a good way to reaching out to people um, yeah, but I think Dom is clearly one of those people that is good at diversifying mm. and good at trying these new things. As you say, uber talented individual. Although you know, we, we, we again the old sort of same themes come up. You know, of uh, um, imposter syndrome and stuff like that. You know, we all we all t- it all seems to come up on the podcast mm. most weeks. But I think Dom's very 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 engaging and very talented. I, I didn't even mention the fact that I really enjoyed. I meant to. I just forgot because it got into the chat. A show he did, I think it was on BBC Two. I can't remember. Called the Pilgrimage last year. Did you? Oh, it was brilliant. Yeah, yeah, it's great show. So yeah. good. Yeah, because really good. Because yeah. it was interesting, and they've done a second series of those um, with with I think Les Dennis was one of the people in it, and they they met the Pope, I think, in the second series. But yeah, wow. the first series, obviously, yeah, it was for anyone who hasn't seen it. It's a kind of mixed. It's a mix of people with different faiths backgrounds, and obviously, Don was on there as an atheist. Um, there were other people. I think Adrian Charles is on there as a as a Catholic, and there was mm. um, I can't remember who the other people were on it to be honest. But yeah, so there was well, ve- Fatima Whitbread. Yeah, yeah Fatima Whitbread. She on it, she, yeah. um, she really came across. I just thought, what a what a wonderful individual. Yeah, she just came across such a beautiful a beautiful soul. So, um, but they all did. Like, I thought yeah. it was a fascinating concept. Wonderful bunch. You mm. you really pulled for the the bunch of the group in the end, and I just thought it was great. And I meant to mention it, but to be honest, as you can tell from the first few minutes of the podcast, we just get into chatting with Dom so quickly. Yeah. I forgot all my notes. But no, we could have so talked for ages, couldn't we? We 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 could have talked for much longer. Maybe we'll try and get him back on for a, a part two. But yeah, it was a great chat. Anyway, we should probably stop waffling on about it and uh, actually let people hear it. Okay. Uh, well, this is the one and only Dom Jolly on the Blank Podcast. I'm in my well. I'm in my library, but I do Twitch, so this is my Twitch studio. All oh, right, yeah, it's a okay. good setup, that. Yeah, so it's quite good. Yeah, how do you find Twitch? I've I've not delved <laughs> into that <laughs> that area yet. Well, I'm. I think I'm probably the oldest person on Twitch. I'm currently <laughs> I'm currently the UK's fastest growing Twitcher, but wow. uh, I'm not sure if that's a good thing, really. I don't know. Like my kids, are, my son is so embarrassed because it was originally just for. I used to walk in on my son you know, watching stuff and you think, oh God, it's going to be porn. And he was watching some weird nerd in South, you know, San Francisco playing video games. And I was like, what? I understand playing video games, but watching someone playing oh, video games. I know. And that's what it was about, but it's now just blown up much bigger. And it's this massive thing. And it's the only platform that really pays you well. Um, you know, subs go straight to you, you get tipped. Um, and I just wish I'd found it at the beginning of lockdown because it would have been perfect. I actually yeah. really... I only started doing it uh, sort of end of lockdown and it's quite time like you have to put so much time into it and if you just go away for a week everyone disappears it's it's kind of paranoid inducing but it's quite fun it, the funny the um 
the game watching thing. Like my kids yeah. are both huge YouTube. So I guess Twitch is it's a live stream of them playing, yeah. is it? Well, uh, Twitch was originally yeah, it's it's streaming basically. It's a yeah. streaming platform. But I mean, one of the joys is it's owned by Amazon. Uh, well, I don't know if it's a joy, but yeah. it means that, for instance, for me, I've got a one just a one click shop for to anything. Oh, okay. Um, yeah. I get paid. I'm a partner, so I get paid. You know, I get every person that subscribes. I get four pounds a month, or ten pounds a month, or twenty five pounds a month, depending on the tier mm-hmm. that they join. People throw fucking stuff at you like you're a stripper. It's really weird. <laughs> um, things like wow. hype trains come up where suddenly for two minutes, the more people throw money at you, the more hype train goes up and they get emotes. And it's really weird. You are thinking I'm literally working in Hooters here. It's quite <laughs> odd. I mean, it's very odd. But for me, it's a really good place to put all my different interests, sort of mm. travel, comedy, stuff that would never make it anywhere on telly in one place. And it's just like, yeah, it's all, all there, really. So it's quite fun. And I wow. do interviews every week with weird, you know, I've had a 98-year-old Holocaust survivor. I had wow. Sanjeev Baskar on. I've had, I mean, you know, it's, it's it's just weird. It's It is basically the TV show in Wayne's world. You know, it is like broadcasting <laughs> <Yeah>. your basement. <laughs> yeah. But I kind of love it. Is that, do you think that's, because I'm just thinking, Charles, we should, why are we not doing blank, say, yeah. blank on there? We should be doing, we should be doing that on Twitch. It's exactly think, what you should be doing. Yeah. 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 I didn't. I didn't. To be honest, you've just no given one me a little Twitch cr- a crash course in it. Yeah, I had no yeah. idea. Really, that, that's about... what's funny about it. No one knows what Twitch is, and it's uh, and and the reason is, I think, because it was very much the uh, domain of fourteen-year-olds mm. watching, you know, uh, watching video games. But it's suddenly boomed into this area called just chatting, and it's so. For instance, Alexandra AOC, you know, Alexandra or or turns it Cortez, mm-hmm. she'll just say, "Oh, just jumping onto Twitch," and she'll have a chat. So like sort of quite hip american politician stuff like lots of them are doing it because it's just a really easy way to just chat and of course the joy is you constantly you've got this stream of people chatting so it's total interactivity uh it's amazing i mean it really is incredible i mean i've been doing it five months and it it takes you know you have to it's a learning process it's like a whole new language and stuff but it's quite fun i guess it's kind of it's it's kind of like the old, old style TV is kind of dead, really, in, in a way, isn't it? This is the new. The I mean, new TV way is of... dead. It's just you know taking some time to die. I just think <laughs> um, this is the future, definitely. I mean, I mean, the future is something like iPlayer, isn't it? Where you know there's just going to be boxes of stuff, and you select what you want to watch. But streaming is the new live, and I've I've got I've just ordered an IRL backpack, which is this new thing you can get in the state. So you put it on. It's like a rucksack, and it's got a camera pointing out, camera pointing at you. I can see the screen. And no one's really doing much IRL stuff. It's all people like me sitting in basements or yeah. libraries. And so I want to take my travel stuff out yeah. and, and live live Twitch. But it's all very kind of, it feels very Wild Westy, which is what's quite exciting about it. Uh, yeah. Someone described Twitch as being where podcasts were before, uh, what was that big podcast? The one that broke it, you know. Um, Serial. But before Serial, literally. Yeah. You know, it was kind of, it's bubbling and it's just about yeah. to go because it's accessible to anyone, you know. Anyway, it's, it's hard as been... <laughs> yeah, is this no, part of the podcast yeah, we yeah, yeah. About it? Yeah, oh, it is yeah. okay all right good yeah <laughs> sorry no this is good content i'm, I'm enjoying yeah, yeah. i'm enjoying this it's good but it's, yeah. as a creator yeah like it's it's you always have to have your ears and your eyes open to what's next and be ready to jump on that platform before well, it, it explodes and then yeah, the next one you say that i mean you know i mean obviously that is the case and i'm uh, i i almost invariably you know there are very few t- moments in your life where you're there at the right time. You're always yeah. like too late. Like I always say this, whenever you go anywhere, whenever I travel anywhere, however much I like it, 
and you're just thinking, fuck, this place is incredible. There's always some twat that comes up to you and goes, just arrived. I go, yeah, I go, should, should have, if you were here two years ago, fuck, it was amazing. You're like, fuck off, you know? And so the, the only time, you know, it's different now, it's all ruined. The only time I've ever been there in my life is I was, by things too complicated to explain, I was a diplomat in Prague uh, about four <laughs> months after the, not the wall, but after the Iron Curtain came down and the Velvet Revolution. And I got to Prague when, you know, the, the uh, Lou Reed and Frank Zappa were cultural attaches. Václav Havel was in charge. Uh, there was no publicity, no advertising anywhere in Prague. It was just properly fucking there. And I remember thinking, fuck, I'm, I'm, I've done it. I'm somewhere <laughs> at the right time. Like, it's going to be ruined. And it has been now. It's just stag central. But it, I, yeah. I, that was a moment where I thought I'm there. And actually, weirdly, with Twitch, I sort of think I am. Mm. Obviously, Twitch has been going for ages. I haven't discovered Twitch. But I think for my sort of person, I think Twitch is more and more going to be where, not necessarily Twitch, but that sort of thing is going to be bigger and bigger. My only nightmare is I didn't discover it at the beginning of lockdown because I literally I could have spent all of I spent all of lockdown sitting in here writing. So it would have been amazing just to to do that. But I mean, and actually one of the really interesting things about Twitch is the moment freedom came and, you know, lockdown stopped, you could see that the figures just drop because oh, everyone's wow, yeah. because like, everyone's, yeah. you know, suddenly the sun's out and freedom. They're like, yeah, really, I'm going to watch some fucking old comedian <laughs> sit in his library. Tell us about his travels. It's like, no, you know. <laughs> Now, Dom, great to have you on. Yeah. Thanks, thanks so Thank much you. for being on. I'm really sorry for being late, and I, no, I'm don't worry. sorry for being late because I'm almost, almost pathologically early. I'm the sort of person. That Are you? If you meet me, I'd, I'll be there 20 minutes before. So if you arrive on time, you're 20 minutes late. So I'm, it, it's that's my fault though. Well, so, te sorry. technically, you are early, as you thought. Midday, so you're. Well, you well, well you I am, but so yeah, you are. I don't know. Yeah, I, I shall do a, a deep, deep uh, research into whose fault it was, and it'll probably be mine. <laughs> That'd <laughs> be an inquiry. Yeah. I'll blame my non-existent people. Come on, we fired. <laughs> um, let's go back from the to the beginning though. You were born in um, Lebanon. And I was. you were there till what your late teens, is that right? Well, I mean, I was, I was, I sort of officially left Lebanon, I suppose, when I was about 18, when mm. my parents divorced. But from the age of seven, I would split half my time between very posh boarding schools okay. where I couldn't, couldn't have been more unhappy. And I was at, you know, and shared the time with, uh, you know, future members of Radiohead and the current Tory cabinet and Tim Henman. And, uh, and then going back to a civil war in Lebanon. So it was a very schizophrenic upbringing, yeah. uh, but quite exciting. Yeah, that's um, quite a brutal kind of time, I just think. And, and I'm, well, I'm talking about the boarding school bit. Um, well, boarding school was <laughs> seriously brutal. Yeah, I yeah. Mean, Jesus, looking back on some stuff there, it's, it's honestly insane. <laughs> it really was. It was just a nasty. But I remember leaving the Dragon School, which was the school I went to, a prep school in Oxford, which is like an uber posh prep school. And I remember about four years after I'd left opening the News of the World, and there was this massive paedophile ring, you oh, know, not shit, massive, man. but, you know, like four teachers, or I can't remember how many, I don't want to get mm. sued, but, you know, yeah. basically, and I was thinking, wow, thank God I never, you know, got involved in that. And I, I, must, I must have been just very unattractive, but I was, you know, I didn't get done. But I do remember thinking, like, every morning, we would all go, the whole school, 600 people, would go swimming naked in a swimming pool mm. while two teachers watched. And I, I remember even at the time thinking, wonder why we're naked? <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's just weird. <laughs> but yeah, so anyway, yeah, boarding school is a very, very weird place. So there you go. 
My dad went to the boarding school I went to afterwards called Halebury. Halebury was set up originally uh, to train people to run India. It was like Halebury and the Imperial Services College. And so it kind of it, it fashioned people to go and run the empire. So technically, um, in, in 1949 or whenever India became independent, they must have had a moment just thought, well, what do we do now? Do we just close down? And they thought, no, fuck it, we'll carry on. So I'm fully trained to run India, should it come, but I don't think it's going to happen. But my dad went there, absolutely hated every second of it. Like, literally, it sort of traumatized him. And then what did he do? He sent me there. It's the very weird kind of, yeah. you know, he just thinks, ah, you know, it didn't do me any harm. Yes, it did. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Do, you, do, you think, do you think anyone ever ever has ever had a positive experience from boarding school well it is weird that i Mm. do hear people yeah there i mean i suppose my thing is there were people at school i remember thinking this is enjoy this because this is your big moment you know the people most of the people i hated were the people that really flourished they kind of a lot of i think lads quite i'm very unladdy and i think lads i mean even though we had girls at my school from 16 onwards and that saved me because firstly the the level of intelligence you needed as a girl to get into the school was a lot higher than it was boys so you had these really thick slightly racist boys and then in north you know north of london and then suddenly these really sophisticated girls coming in so that changed it for me and i really enjoyed it but the sort of lad mentality because there was a lot of bullying it's a lot of testosterone it's a lot of just um, just deep unpleasantness and what it james o'brien has just written a, a really good book how to be how to be wrong um and he it got really, it right by me here. Look. Oh, how weird is yeah. that? How not to be wrong? Yeah, read, reading it. Yeah, I thought it was really interesting actually because I, I recognise a lot in James when I'm listening to him on the radio, as I do. Mm. And he's he has this defense. You know, he loves a fight. I love a fight. I love an argument. Like I fucking love it. But it is a kind of it's a fight or flight thing, and 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 it is what those schools train you. Those schools train you to basically you're just about to be attacked constantly so the best form of attack of defense is offense and i've been very much like that i'm very like in your face and and i hate it uh and actually having read james's book it it did make me think maybe maybe it's time to just relax a little bit but uh, but but there's a part of me thinking that's if i have any magic sauce uh so to speak that's where it comes from so if i suddenly get overtherapied or uh you know, start to be a bit more relaxed, then I just I just become this empty vessel, which is bollocks, but you know, it's what I think. Magic source, good 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 title for your next book. Well. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um actually I, I, I'm obsessed with this show I want to do about source. I'm obsessed with condiments, you know, like Tabasco, <laughs> the story of ketchup. Why is Heinz the only people that have a monopoly on ketchup? There's a really interesting story in that mustard hot sauces. And I've been, <laughs> I haven't actually pitched this show, but I so want to do a travel show called The Source of the Source. Uh, see what I did there, because so, it's spelt differently. Yeah. And, I want, and I want to go, if you look on the back of a Tabasco bottle, it, it's made in, um, I can't remember the name of the island, but it just sounds so like amazing in Louisiana. I know if I went there, it would just be a factory yeah, yeah. in an industrial <laughs> state. But anyway, so anyone's listening, I'm available for that show. Oh, I, I would love a show. I'd watch condiments. that. Yeah. Yeah. Don't watch you think that. though? Because you don't know yeah. anything about it. And there is, I read a thing in the New Yorker ages ago about why, I think it was by Malcolm Gladwell, about why there just really is no alternative to Heinz ketchup. Mm. And and there is a really interesting long story behind that monopoly, which I won't share with you, but should you watch Source of the Source? Yeah, <laughs> it'll be in there. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm intrigued so by this quick, because... Quick, oh, go on, go on, Jim. I was going to say quickly, really quickly, favourite condiment, or, or are you saving that for the show as well? Uh, favourite condiment were at the moment... Well, it's difficult, isn't it? I think 
Worcestershire sauce, which I still can't say, is a really interesting one, mm. actually, because what I didn't realise, I've just done this new book, look at me plug this, called Such Miserable Weather, in which I I did, because I'm a travel writer and I've done 106 countries, but I've kind of been a bit snobby about England. So I, I drove all the way around England trying to, A, find out whether you can be a travel writer in your own country, but also just trying to love England and get as excited about it as other places. Didn't really manage, but in places I did. But in in Worcester, obviously, source of Worcestershire mm. sauce, and uh, that was quite interesting. I love, I love towns that are synonymous with a sauce. So Coleman's mm. and Norwich, although actually it's not made in Norwich anymore; it's gone away. HP sauce, Houses of Parliament, made in Holland. All very weird. Yeah. But, uh, Worcestershire sauce. I don't know why I can't say it. Um, is based on an old Roman. Um, it, it, I didn't realise that it's got a very heavy anchovy base to it, and I love anchovies. Ah, that's interesting. And it's 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 very umami. If you're up with your umami, yeah. so I suppose it's that I think as a base. But Tabasco, you can't really beat Tabasco. Although they've started to fuck around with it and do other ones. Yeah, like, that's know. yeah. I hate, just keep it. Original. I don't like the green Tabasco. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. You're not I steal like, Tabasco. Um, I always travel with a little mini one, which is on a key ring. Um, <laughs> But because it's very difficult to get the sort of industrial size Tabascos, the certain kind you see, I have to say, I feel it's okay. And I'll discuss this in the source of the sauce. If I see one in a restaurant, <laughs> I steal it. It's I, the only I, thing. I, to me, it's I, like hotel shampoo. I feel yeah, it's okay. Yeah. I think you're okay. I yeah, think you're probably, yeah. You probably won't like what I do with Tabasco. I am I going to share this? Yes. This might, this might <laughs> you are. You've the whole started. Interview. Yeah, go on. Um, I like to have a dollop, dollop of ketchup. Yeah. You drop the Tabasco on, mm -hmm. mix it, mix it all up with chips or fries. Yeah, excellent. But I mean, what the fuck is wrong with that? Yeah, oh, that sounds, sounds amazing. I don't know. Yeah, I just, I just yeah no, worried. that's amazing. I make my daughter makes amazing uh, sriracha, which we could get into, which is a kind of new, new entry to the hot sauce group. <laughs> and she mixes that with mayonnaise and pesto because she's quite middle class, and that's really, really nice as well. But no, I think that's fucking amazing. But I, I, I had some chips with someone the other day who was absolutely horrified. I mean, black crap, black pepper on chips to me is an absolute given. He was horrified. He just literally, I might as well have just shat on it. I was like, it was really <laughs> weird. <laughs> I love black pepper on yeah, chips. I mean, that's yeah. an ideal combination. That. Uh, another, another thing that I would talk about in Source of the Source, if we're going to do this, is pointless pepper. You know when you get salt and pepper on the table? Yeah, yeah. And it's just shaky pepper. Like, that's like not powder. Yeah, it's yeah, not, yeah, you need yeah, to crack it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it has to be a Peugeot. Do you know Peugeot before they made cars made pepper grinders? And if you look at no? if you look at the base of a any, you can feel when it's a good pepper grinder. It's Peugeot. I'm a bit of a pepper snob, so you'll see me in restaurants. If you look, I'm just looking up and I go, hmm, Peugeot. <laughs> yeah. It's a nice little it's a nice little touch that freaks out people in restaurants. That's superb. <laughs> I but can't believe I'm telling you this. You have to pitch this show. Come on, there's so much content. <laughs> I'm actually. It started as a joke, but then I realized actually, I just I am totally obsessed with it, and also it's stuff that's on our table all the time. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. My my nan made her own condiment. Oh, uh, did so she have a name for it? Yeah, it was called the mint salad. The mince mint salad. Mint 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 salad. The mint salad. What, and what was that? Like so, a chimichurri. It sounds like. To well, me. <laughs> it's pretty gross. Uh, yeah, I've talked about this a few <laughs> times on some other podcasts. It's uh, so it's iceberg lettuce. Yeah, uh, sort of not mashed, but chopped finely. Yeah, uh, spring onions. Okay. Sugar. Yeah. Vinegar. Yeah. And then milk. Oh, just <laughs> ruined it at the end. <laughs> what was that? 
So she would serve uh, what that would up she have that on? Any roast dinner, so anything. Oh, okay. So, like, so it uh, is like a sort of chimichurri. Okay. Yeah, yeah, I guess a little bit, but it's the milk, really. Like, you, you know, when you, you... She would bring out like a... She wasn't a great cook, to be fair, as you can tell from, yeah. the, from, well, <laughs> from, from the condiment ingredients. But she would bring out a roast beef, which would probably be overdone, yeah. and then yeah. it would have lashings of... Mint that sounds to me like uh, a sauce that was made during the war. Like it was yeah. originally invented during the war when rationing yeah. there wasn't yeah. a lot about. You know. Yeah, basically, I, I think mean, that's what it was. But that takes us on to bread sauce, which is, I think, the <laughs> finest, the finest condiment known to man, and that's yeah. milk uh, and cloves and onions. And my wife's Canadian, and my donation to the the family Christmas the first time I went there was I made bread sauce, and they literally they were just like. They just like, what the fuck are you doing? Like you've sort of <laughs> you've mulched bread, and, then, and they'd all heard about English cooking, but they were like, "What is this?" I, I love it. We I didn't mean, know I have it, it was on this toast. Bad. Yeah, I have it on toast, which is like a double whammy. <laughs> on toast, I, say, I think man, you're, yeah, I yeah. think you're the you're the first guest and probably only that's ever going to say, and that brings us on to bread to bread sauce <laughs> on this podcast. That we'll never yeah, I know. Again. I'm really sorry. <laughs> great. Oh, fantastic. Actually, can I just go back to a thing you were saying there? Yeah, about the about a uh, source of sauce, and yeah. you say, "Oh, because I because I love it." And I think yeah. actually, and I saw you say this in, in another interview on a different podcast about doing what doing what you love, and that balance between doing that versus the quote unquote normal job or the normal life that yeah. other people would do. But actually, if you have the chance to be able to go after what you love, even if it is making a show about condiments, yeah, yeah, that you you kind of owe it to yourself to do that. Well, you do, but it's not that easy. I remember my dad telling me because my dad took over the family company, which which he didn't want to do. Like he was deep down, he wanted to be a writer. I mean, he wrote some books; they were appalling, but uh, that's what he wanted to do. Uh, and I'm glad he didn't because they were appalling. But he did something that he didn't want to do out of duty. And I remember saying to him that uh, I wanted. I always used to think most people, or certainly him, seemed to work so that they could do what they wanted to do in the holidays. Yeah. And I used to think, but that's crazy. Like I, uh, like most of your life is work. So I want my work to be what I want to do. And my dad, who came from that two generations back, really, he was like, well, that just doesn't happen. You know, like you, you, like, and I remember thinking, no, it's going to happen. And I didn't know what that was that I wanted to do. And I've always felt that, that I've been incredibly lucky because I am work shy, but I work really hard at stuff that I love. And I've been really yeah. lucky since... since about the age of 30 in my 20s I did all sorts of weird jobs and I was a diplomat and a runner and I worked in the city I did loads of stuff that I hated and I I just knew I wouldn't do it but the weird thing is and and you look and you think look at me I'm I'm my own boss I'm doing stuff I like I'm so lucky to do all this stuff and look at these idiots walking across bridges every day going commuting to work and stuff but then you know I've just I've, I've passed 50 now and suddenly that shifts a little bit because you're suddenly thinking these idiots have pensions yeah. and they have yeah. and they have and they have a regular income yeah. and they 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 seem to have life planned and I'm yeah. like fuck I've had an amazing time if I get hit by a bus tomorrow but if I don't and I somehow live a long time I'm gonna end up selling beads on a beach and I, I it's not good so I've suddenly started taking crash courses in finance and things like that so yeah it, I think it goes up up and down in waves but I do think uh, I mean, firstly, I think even when my dad was saying it, those jobs didn't exist. I mean, if you know, I, I know anyone who talks about me as a comedian is always in inverted comments, but comedian was not a job when I was a kid. Mm-hmm. I remember again, I went to this posh school where Dave Allen's son was there, and Ed, Dave Allen, do you remember him, the Irish? Yeah, comedian? amazing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He used to turn up at school 
And he'd do his thing. He'd just sit in front of us with a glass of whiskey and start slagging off the Pope. And I remember thinking, <laughs> what the fuck? That is not a job. But, but it was a job. But there were only four of them. It was him, Derek, Nimmo, and the two Ronnies. Really? Yeah. That was it. It wasn't yeah. like a thing. You just, well, I'm going to go and be a comedian and stuff. So I think the avenue of things that you can do and earn a living for has probably expanded. You know, I mean, look at you guys. Like, what the fuck? If we had to explain this, what yeah, we're yeah, doing, yeah. You know what? We're just going to talk to each other, and that's that's what you do. It's like, <laughs> no, you know, we're all going to write books. You know, of course you are. Fuck off. You know. So. <laughs> do you get that thing when someone says? Because we had a guy around yesterday cleaning our oven. Did did a lovely job. Can't remember in the company, but so I can't plug it. Sorry. Um, but afterwards he went. So what do you what, what do you guys do? Oh yeah. And I was a bit like, I was like, well, yeah. I'm a comedian. Slash, I do podcasts. I write yeah. a bit. My yeah. wife is an actor, but she also teaches. Oh. But she does life coaching. And I always feel like I hate people say, "What do you do?" Because I have yeah. to really oh like my explain God. it. I, well, I mean, let's oh, let's break this down so much. So I was <laughs> going to call one of my books, "What Are You Up To?" Now? Yeah, because <laughs> yeah. frankly, the answer is, well, since my job is show business clearly fuck all because you don't know so it's immediately implying failure which is terrible yeah. but the what do you do is terrible because if you because again if you're doing it well enough they should know it in our business yeah. and if they don't and you explain it in some detail then it sounds like all right mate all right bit, <laughs> bit desperate like, yeah, of course you are you know you know I'm, 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 I write a book. Oh, do you? Well done, like that, you know. And, and how many have you made? You know, that sort of stuff. So that's yeah. fucking awful. Uh, it's terrible. Then the even worse one for me, because people know me from Trigger Happy or whatever, so they'll come up to me and say, what are you up to now? And part of you wants to go, I'm really happy, actually. I'm writing loads of travel books. I'm doing all this stuff. But it sounds desperate. So I then try and deflect it. And I say, oh, I'm a butcher now. And I, I, th and I, think, and I think they'll think that's really funny. Oh, Dom Jolly's still funny. But they just go, oh. That's nice. That's nice. And I go, no, I'm not a fucking butcher. It's a nightmare. It's a minefield. And also, you always end up explaining what you just said, Jim, to, to people who do proper jobs. So the guy yeah, who yeah. just fucking comes in, has a skill, yeah. has a trade that he's probably trained for, and he earns a living from it. And then you go, well, I do a bit of podcasting. I'm thinking of setting up a fitness app. I'm, uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah, I'm writing something for the Gloucester Echo in Cambodia next week. And you just, you look at him, just thinking, you're just a cunt. You really are you're just a student. Like, get, get a yeah. job. And it's how okay you when you're yeah. 20, but like, you're like, how old are you, mate? You got kids. Like, have some respect. <laughs> the worst thing was, I think he's one of those people that you know. He talked to some people when they say something, you said something, they just process it. But I said yeah. all this, he just went. Um, yeah. Anyway, the cooker's ready. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> My daughter's at uni and she met uh, this. I can't remember how I found out about this conversation, but she just had her first boyfriend. They're chatting away and she's saying, oh, you know, we've done this and that because I've, I've, you know, I took my kids all over the world. and I've driven them to Istanbul. Really good. You know, and then I can't remember. Basically, she was saying, you know, we've done this and that because we don't really do much of that anymore. And because, you know, income goes up and down. He goes, really? Well, what kind of job does he, your dad do? And she just went, entertainer. We're just such disappointment. <laughs> <Yeah>. you <know? laughs> so, yeah, it's very weird, the whole thing. But you know what? It's still fine as long as I get hit by a bus soon. Weirdly, I, you know, it's so funny you say that. No, this is very morbid. I was thinking about that the other day. Like, if yeah. I like get hit by a bus tomorrow or something, will yeah. I? Would I be proud of what I've done? Uh, I would. Yes, I think I would. I, would. I think yeah. from now on, every day is it's it gets worse. Basically, uh, for <laughs> me, I can't see it getting much better. So it 
if you looked at my life at the moment, it looked like the whole thing was planned for me to be hit by a bus around now. And everyone's going, <laughs> fucking hell, what a life he led. How varied. And then he just went. And he and died he, at the right time, exactly yeah. the right time. And he left all his family destitute with nothing. <laughs> yeah. And he was so desperate to get into butchery as well. And he did. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, there was, he was, there was, it was going to be huge. <laughs> yeah. Well, it is, it's so perilous, isn't it? The, the freelance life. Did you... Did you have any inkling it would be like this before you sort of dived in? No, because I'd so hated non-freelance life. Because, you know, it wasn't like it happened to me when I was 18. Mm. All through my 20s, I did have a, a series of just... I just didn't know what it was I wanted to do. I was a journalist. I worked in ITN. You know, it was quite fun. But these were all things that I just looked at and thought, deep down, there are people here much more qualified than me and much keener. And I just... I'm a bit of a, I'm just mucking about. So I knew I wasn't going to do it in that. And I just thought, what is it I'm going to be able to do? I had no idea. And so when I did, when Trigger Happy happened, so my first moment really of freelance was doing Trigger Happy, which mm. obviously is a really good time to be a freelance. You're selling a show to 80 countries around the world. You're making loads of money. You're famous. You're like, well, freelancing's fucking easy, isn't it? <laughs> and, then, and then this, I don't know what people are grumbling about. Um, so no, I didn't think about it, and I've never regretted it. I love being my own boss. I love, uh, I just, I've, I've been lucky enough to just do these weird things. But there is this long-term worry that you know mortality mm. starts coming in, and you do realise that you know there is a le- there's a limit to how much you can push this flag. So that does worry you. Um, I don't know. Someone someone described it the other day. Uh, who was I talking to? I did some interview with someone, and, and she was a journalist. So we were talking about the same thing about. It was about life lessons. Have you learned any life lessons? Mm. And I, my life lesson was that you should never make any important decision right like at the moment you finish doing something. So for instance, when I finished the second series of Trigger Happy, I thought, fuck that, I'm off. I want to do something else. And of course, it's like bands when they come off yeah. being making an album and a tour and they just they just hate each other. Yeah. And you know, they just all need to fuck off to Mystique for two months and then come back and then make a decision. So I was talking about that and she said, being freelance, it is quite an impressive thing we do, even though we don't feel it's impressive because we're essentially a small business. Mm. You know, we're, we're kind of just keeping a small business together. And I'm terrible at, at finance. Like, I'm, uh, you know, I really, I hate people that don't pay tax. I think you should pay tax, although I think tax is ludicrous. I think it should be a flat rate tax. And the more you earn, the more you pay. There should be no loopholes, nothing. Um, but so I'm shit at all that. You know, I just, you know, I just, my real thing is I wish I'd married... I married an artist and I should have married a fucking accountant and then that would be perfect. But I just, we're just two shite people running around, no idea what we're doing. Whereas like the guy I made trigger happy with Sam married a fucking merchant banker. I'm like, fuck. (laughs) (laughs) He now owns most of California and it's just pisses you off. Doesn't it? But you don't think like that. So anyway. I, yeah, I married an actor as well, and I just feel I feel so sorry for our daughter. <laughs> oh, it's great! Oh, the only good thing is my my daughter, my both my son and my daughter just look at me and just think, okay, well, I definitely know what I don't want to <laughs> yeah. do. They, they are they are so career <laughs> focused because they're I'm like this trade. No, there's a massive warning flashing. <laughs> yeah. And they but, send me really patronising birthday messages saying we're so proud of all the things you do yeah <laughs> we're so proud of whatever it is yeah you no it is your nonsense but it's like it's um when you you know deep down like your gut feeling you know really what you want to do i remember i did a, I, I trained to be a journalist that was my thing went to university did journalism and then i was going to be a journalist and i was going to write features for the observer and that was all that and then i started doing comedy and i realized it just gave me a buzz that was so different to 
being a journalist. And I, I got a full time job at the Mirror on the sports desk Ooh. after doing some like really not not as not as grandiose as it sounds, but really nice team, great boss, lovely guys, and I'd, I'd done some freelance during the World Cup. And Rob sat me down. I was like, "Do you want to work here full time?" I was like, "Yes, I do. I love this." I was like, Brilliant. Okay, shook your hands. Got back to my desk, sat down. I thought, "I don't want this." Really? I, just, I thought it was news straight away. I was like, ah, "I just I don't want the full time. I don't want the full time. I don't want the contract. I don't want this. I don't want to be now, tied down. I want now to do you my must own thing." Kick yourself every day. Just yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it was good money. Yeah. It was easy money. <laughs> oh my god! I don't think anyone's ever offered me a job like in the sense of all my jobs where people just sort of me thinking oh i'm gonna be kicked out soon and then being kicked out Mm. uh, because i was just shit at them and i realized that i was just never going to be good at something unless it was something i really wanted to do so yeah you're right but i suppose it's just about being it's about being savvy with it you know but you know i think if you're too savvy with your money and stuff like that then you're not really an artist but then i'm not an artist (laughs) i'm a sellout so i don't know i don't know you are an artist i think anyone that creates anything is an artist no of course but you know what i'm saying i'm I'm replying to twitter people you know it's like i've done an ad so i'm not an artist but you know fuck knows i just i uh, caitlin moran said it best bitch gotta pay rent you know that's it you wonder why when you're a 25 year old you can fucking make amazing music and amazing comedy and you can do what the fuck you want and it's not about the money and all that shit. And then you wonder why these bands you love suddenly make shit albums and stuff like that. And you go, because they had two fucking kids and yeah. a house and they've got a fucking suddenly, <laughs> exactly. you know, it's not like you can say, you know what, I'm just going to live on 200 quid for the next six months yeah, while I yeah. make my, my, you know, fucking Japanese drum album. You can't do that. You have yeah. to fucking sell something. Yeah. And it's terrible. You know, otherwise, otherwise you're, you're slagged off as, you know, Dom Jolly's kids found, you know, starving and abandoned in a square. <laughs> you can't win. But I think that about getting older, because I look at stand-up comedy, and I think stand-up comedy is such a young person's game. Yeah, who the now, fuck is going to sit in a van? Like, honestly. If I get a gig now, I have to go to my wife, sorry, Miranda, can I go and do a gig <laughs> yeah. in Swindon next month on a Friday? Yeah, <laughs> like no drinking. These things in. Yeah. One beer. <laughs> exactly, yeah. One beer. You're driving home as well, yeah, so yeah, make yeah, sure yeah. that you pump the tyres up on the car and fill yeah, it up yeah, with yeah. petrol. Yeah, and remember, the kids will probably see it on YouTube, so don't swear, don't, you know, all that shit. It's like, fuck. Yeah. <laughs> but it's still fun. Yeah. I, mean, I still like my life. I still wake up thinking it's fucking great. I just, you just start to think, can I, can I really keep this going to the end? That's, that's really, <laughs> that's all it comes down to. I think, I, think as, I think as performers and creatives, you diversify anyway. I, th- I just think it's kind of part of your skill, and I think it's in there even if you don't know it. And you've done many yeah. different things and you're you know, we're talking about Twitch at the start of this interview. I think if you are creative, you have that skill in you, even if it doesn't feel like it. You do. But again, coming back to what my dad said to me at the beginning, my, I remember my dad saying to me, because he came from that place where you just took a job and you stayed all your life and that was what you want. And I remember my dad saying to me, you can change your job maybe once, but if you do it twice, <laughs> that's it, you're fucked. And I remember thinking, what? You must be joking. <laughs> but at the very same time, I remember reading an article in, I think it was The Guardian, it was like years ago, and it said in the future, uh, there will be no such thing as a lifetime job, which mm. they were quite right. And they said the people, the people that will get on the best are the people that are able to adapt and jump from one thing to another. And I, I've found, even doing Twitch, we had a, I've set Twitch, my Twitch channel up with someone who's my producer, but the plan was also to try and get other people like me who maybe thought about twitch but like you had no idea what it was and to sort of try and stable them and and give them you know help them do it and set up a company where we have lots of channels um but of course that sort of worked but then something else didn't happen and i think the real skill in what we do is 
you can't plan because you've got no fucking idea what's going to happen, what's going to work. But what you've got to be able to do is is zig and zag, not as in zig and zag. But it's like you're starting off that way. Something else happens and you've got to you've got to realize, you know, one of the most important things, I think, is is realizing when to stop. Like people that just have this lifetime ambition to do something and they spend 30 years with some book that they think is going to be a film. That drives you nuts. Like you've got to just think, okay, that's not working. Let's do something else. And I think the ability to zig and zag is is very important. Although I don't think that's what zig and zag were about originally, <laughs> <laughs> or what or what the Spice Girls were singing about. But you know, <laughs> yeah, yes, I don't think there was much sort of subversiveness about <laughs> no. zig and zag. <laughs> well, they were quite subversive actually, but I don't think they were giving creatives career no. advice. <laughs> I've just followed you on, on on Twitch, by the way. I think you're the first person I've ever followed on there. Yeah, it's quite funny. Everyone I ask on to be record uh, to interview, like Sanjeev Baskar, literally was like, I, I'm very happy because he is one of the nicest men in show business. He he's really very is. nice. We've had him on I've, the podcast. He's, he's almost too nice. Like yeah. you just want to go. Come on, like, you, <laughs> say not. something horrible. No, really, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And uh, and I said, he said, sure, but what is a Twitch? And I said, fine. And then he went on Twitter saying, I'm going on Twitch with Dom Jolly. What is Twitch? And literally, no one had a fucking clue. It was amazing. <laughs> so it did. It did make me think. I'm either I'm either doing something so stupid it's insane, or I'm so cutting edge yeah. that people will realise it in 20 years' time. I think it's probably the the former, but you know you don't know. So yeah, but enjoy Twitch. I go out pretty much Mondays to Thursdays, seven o'clock to to about two hours, and it's a mixture of me giving my views on stuff uh, which no one wants to hear, and then me. I I have a regular sitcom. Uh, one of the things I love during lockdown because we didn't get much getting out did we and I, I i i find i'm the opposite of a hoarder i'm a dumper i really like shedding things getting rid of things and the local dump is only about five minutes away and it became almost my regular trip <laughs> was to go to the local dump but there's been massive queues as other people join yeah. me so i started to film my trips to the dump and they started off stage <laughs> and uh and, and they, it started to become a sort of uh, sitcom. So I do sort of almost regular uh, broadcasts from the dump, which are as terrible as it sounds, but they're so terrible that they're almost good. And I'm not sure. It could be just, it could be like literally a sort of recording a midlife crisis, or it could be a work of genius for you to decide. But... I, 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 this is going to sound weird, but that is actually the exact content that I want to watch. <laughs> it's, it's quite because therapeutic. It's my, quite good. I live, we, live, we live with my mother-in-law, and she's obsessed with going to the dumper. Like you're a dumper, clearing stuff. We've got loads of stuff here. So I go, I go with her, and it's become like our little routine yeah, that we yeah. hang out at the dump. Yeah. There was one point she couldn't go because it was locked down. I went on my own, and she there's a camera on the Buckinghamshire Council website, and you can watch the dump. And she just yeah, watched that's me right. half the <laughs> car on the yep. dump take the stuff out oh i watched you on the camera i had i had it like one man which, show our dump is so popular uh, that when you turn up in the queue you have to hold you have to show identity that you live in cheltenham because apparently apparently people are driving from other towns what? to use to use this dump which i can't believe but i had a major breakthrough the gentleman whose name i don't know but i call him cardboard kevin and he because uh, he does the cardboard area and yesterday i went in and it was the first time I was about to bring the thing out. He went, no need, Mr. Jolly. We know who you are. And so there's a part of me suddenly thinking, have they suddenly realized I'm Dom Jolly and I spend my life at the dump? Or have they just seen me so many times they know I live in Cheltenham? But then the butcher thing, I'm literally manhandling. I've got so much weird stuff to throw away. I don't know what it is. I'm, I'm, I'm throwing a bit of moldy carpet and I'm just putting it in the household waste. I've gone for the household waste rather than there is a carpet section, but I didn't want to do that. I didn't feel it was enough. 
And a bloke goes, and a bloke taps me on the shoulder and goes, I'm really sorry, but would there be any chance of getting a selfie? <laughs> so I go, yes. And I'm, and we have a selfie. And With uh, or without he, the carpet. Yeah, no, but yeah. that's what's great. He said, would, would, do you, would you mind if the dump is the background or would you like it? <laughs> I love that. I love that he was more worried about me going met Dom Jolly. You know, remember him? He was at the dump. <laughs> like, <Yeah. laughs> and, so, and so he said, and he was so sweet. I said, no, no, I'm absolutely fine. You know, I'm good. I'm really open with my dump dumpiness. Yeah. So he took a picture. We were by the dump and stuff. And then as he went, he went, so what are you up to now? I, went, <laughs> I, went, I nearly went, well, I work here. And I went, no, butcher. And he just went, oh, that's nice. And then he went, oh. <laughs> it's kind of oh, tragic, really, the whole thing. Oh, that's amazing. That yeah. Is, that is amazing. I wonder if uh, you being at the dump has now kind of, maybe that's why it's so popular now from people coming from other places. I do get, what's funny is that the one weird thing about being famous is that before I was famous, I used to be a really bad stalker. I used to live in Portobello Road and I'd spot all sorts of people. I, I remember seeing Mick Jones from The Clash. I was a big Clash oh, fan. Oh, amazing, yeah, yeah. And I saw him in Tesco Metro, which existed in those days. And I was in the Tesco Metro and I saw Mick Jones of The Clash uh, by the fruit and veg. And I was like, fucking hell, that's Mick Jones in yeah. the Clash. So I thought, well, I'm not busy. I wonder what Mick Jones does. So Mick Jones shops and I'm all subtle in the background. And then <laughs> Mick Jones goes out, he starts walking up Portobello Road. So I think, fuck it, I'm going to, it didn't even cross my mind. This was stalker <laughs> behavior. So I follow, <laughs> yeah. I follow Mick Jones of the Clash all the way up Portobello Road. He goes into a couple of shops in and out and then he gets to Notting Hill. And in Notting Hill, there's a, a Oxfam shop and he goes into Oxfam and he starts looking through paperback, you know, the sort of secondhand Wilbur Smiths. And I'm just staring. And I, was, I remember looking through the window and just thinking, I'm so disappointed. Like, <laughs> this is what he did. And then five, seven years later, for very weird reasons, I'm off my face somewhere in Portobello. This is such a name drop, but I'm going to go with it. Kate Moss is in this okay. building wow. with Bobby Gillespie from Primal Scream uh, and Sadie Frost. So there we are. Wow. And uh, I don't know any of them, but they come up and say hi. And I'm just like, and I like it. Kate Moss goes, hi, I'm Kate. I go, yeah, fucking no. <laughs> anyway, so we have a couple of drinks and we end up going back to someone's house for a party. And I'm like, oh, this is it. I'm in. Door opens. It's fucking Mick Jones from the <laughs> in Holland Park, yeah? And we walk in and I'm just like, holy shit. I, I'm with Kate Moss and I'm in, you know, this is amazing. And after about five minutes, I sort of find myself next to Mick Jones and I go, hi, Mick, I'm Dom Jolly. Thank you so much for that. He goes, did you follow me <laughs> up Portobello Road a long time ago? And he went into the bookshop to avoid me because he thought I was some weird stalker. Like that. So the long point of this story is that I used to think I was really good at sort of checking out famous people. But honestly, every time someone notices me, I'm like, yeah, I can see it in my life. I know what they're saying. And there's been a lot of that at the dump recently. So I think there might be, there might be talk. <laughs> well, I have, I have the confession. I think... You were in uh, Seaford Station once, where I live. Yeah, I think you were doing. Must have been doing some filming, and I was doing something similar, looking over as I was getting my ticket, thinking, "That's Tom Jolly. What's Tom Jolly doing in Seaford? Where's Seaford? It's in Sussex. Se it's in I between... know the Seaford Mods. Is that where they're from? No, that's Sleaford. Oh, this Sleaford. is Seaford. S E A. I've been to Seaford. Well, it was definitely you. You um, sure? Yeah. Because <laughs> I have so a lot of lookalikes I send well, out. Well, I'm sure it was like you. Decoys. But, but right. we, did sort of, we did sort of look at you. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we were kind of, I did sort of look at you and you looked at me and I, and I could sort of see in your face you were like, 
Mm, he knows. Can't. He, yeah, he knows who I am. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I'll tell you what yeah. always happens. It always happens the same things. So basically, I'm in a supermarket, a bloke of about 35, because they're the acorns, you know, they're the ones that are the right <laughs> yeah, age, 35 to 40. And, you know, they were like the sort of 12-year-olds watching Trigger Happy. He'll yeah. suddenly go, <laughs> like that. And so I'll just <laughs> pretend to not look. And then it, he'll be with a girlfriend. And he'll go, <laughs> and she'll be like, <laughs> no idea who I am because women just tended not to watch Trigger Happy for some reason. And then, uh, so then he'll go, <laughs> and then he'll get his phone and go, <laughs> no, like, no idea. And then I can see him trying to find the ringtone because he's going to do the whole thing. Oh, so no. that's daytime out of the shop. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. Well, anyway, apologies My favorite, for that. That is great. My favorite, <laughs> so that, you know, the best way to do it, and it's terrible. My favorite one is um, Bill Murray. Is it? Bill Murray, who am I thinking of? Ghostbusters, Bill yeah, Murray. Bill yes. Murray yeah. yeah, Bill Murray goes up to people in New York. Like, they're just walking down. <sighs> and he goes up, he taps them on the shoulder, they turn around, he goes, ah! and then he goes, no one's ever going to believe you, and fucks off. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but the other one I loved, and I did this, and this is how I fucked it up. Steve Martin used to have cards printed out, and when people asked for an autograph, he would hand them this card, and it would just say, this is to certify that you had a private interaction with Mr. Stephen Martin, comedian, and you found him charming and handsome. And I just thought, that's so cool. Yeah. It's funny. It's like meta. Yeah. But also, you've got this nice little thing from Steve Martin. It's great. Yeah. So I did it as a joke when Trigger Happy came out. I, I printed a card, the same sort of thing. It was something like, this is to prove that you have met Dom Jolly. He was very funny and lovely. And so I thought, oh, this is so cool. And I remember the first person who asked me my autograph, I gave it to them. And they just read it. And they just went, you cunt. <laughs> <laughs> he just like, couldn't carry it off. Sorry, can I say cunt on here? But, you yeah. can. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> oh, dear. Shame. Big yeah, shame. Big shame, yeah. You've got to try, haven't you? You have. You've got yeah. to try. Yeah. Yeah. So going back to how did you first get into doing wanting to do comedy? I mean, obviously, did, where did Trigger Happy kind of... Where, what was the origins of Trigger Happy? Well, totally by chance. I grew up, I remember all the stuff I watched when I was a kid. I remember seeing this thing called Funny People, and it was actually quite racist, but it was like a South African candid camera where, frankly, this kind of nasty boa sort of did some pretty simple jokes on, on South Africans. But there were bits of it that were kind of weirdly brilliant. And I remember watching that as a kid and also Candid Camera in Lebanon. There was quite limited comedy. Uh, the other stuff was Benny Hill translated into Arabic and French, which was just very weird. <laughs> okay. um, and I just remember thinking, God, I love that. I loved, you know, I'm really into documentaries. I hate, I don't really watch much comedy. I love documentaries. So I always like real stuff. I don't know why. And then I got this, I went as a diplomat in Prague. And then on the back of that, I got a job at ITN in Parliament. And I used to get sent up to do interviews the sort of really shit interviews not the big ones but I'd go and get a minister and just get his statement and then I'd come back and just record it and I just got really bored so I started getting people to do stuff in the background of things and 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 it and it finished with me interviewing David Meller and it was about football hooliganism and I had friends playing football in the background so it was like oh a nice visual metaphor and I can't remember I, th I think I said my sign in all my stuff is when I scratch my head that's the signal and I think they were supposed to kick a ball to me and I was going to just start playing football and fuck off. I thought it was funny. But actually they kicked the ball and it smacked David Meller right in the face. <laughs> yeah. And it was amazing. And uh, basically ITN put that out and said, and today an unfortunate thing happened to David Meller. And then they realised that I'd set it up and I was fired from ITN. And I didn't know what I was going to do. And I really wanted to get into documentaries. And I wrote to this guy 
who makes Michael Cockrell, who makes these amazing political documentaries. And for some reason, my CV must have gone to a couple of people, and it ended up in this um, production company called Lawless, and they were making the first Mark Thomas comedy product. And that Mark was a kind of, you know, slightly lefty, rabid lefty Michael Moore type. Mm. Uh, but at that time, that kind of comedy hadn't really happened, and what he wanted to do was fuck about with MPs. So it was sort of stunt comedy. Mm. And But they didn't take me for my comedy. They took me because I'd worked in Parliament, and they wanted to do lots of stuff on... MPs and stuff. So they wanted me as a sort of political researcher to try and find the right political target. So we did things like interviewing Anne Widdicombe about hanging and she was saying how they should bring back hanging and everyone in the crew had been people that had been um, uh, wrongfully um, found guilty of murder. So therefore they would have all been hung and stuff like that. So it was kind of and then weirder stuff like uh, just seeing what you could take through a McDonald's drive-through from a tank to a clown car to a burger van where you just then resold the burgers. So it was high and low. We'd follow. We did a CD tour of of London, uh, sort of if you were inter interested in Tory uh, scandals. And I was dressed, and this is a metaphor for the rest of my life, as a seven-foot penis. Uh, <laughs> and, and my friend Dom English was dressed as a twenty-pound note. And basically, when he rocked up at you know great north street it would indicate whether it was a sexual scandal or a financial scandal it was that kind of stuff so anyway i love this i just could not fucking believe that you were paid to do this stuff and i just assumed that everyone was good at it and i i it was only after a while that i realized that most people were like oh, how can you do that i loved going up and kind of ballsing it out really and the very first thing i ever did i came up with this idea and mark didn't like it because it wasn't political so he said, I'll go and make it yourself. And in the end, it went out on the show. So it's the first thing I ever did. And I just dressed up as a schoolboy with a football. And we just kicked the football into number 10 garden, into Buckingham Palace, and literally, and, and into Wormwood Scrubs. And then she went, can I have my ball back, please? And that, that was it. And I just remember thinking that was the biggest rush. You know, when you were talking about doing live stuff, it was such a rush because it made me laugh. And everyone we showed it to found it funny. But even if no one else found it funny, it was just such a rush doing it. So I thought, fuck, this is what I want to do. And then, uh, so I was doing this with this other researcher called Dom English. And then uh, there was literally, I've never answered anything in any newspaper advert, but there was a thing saying, do you have a sense of humour? And it was in The Guardian. So I, I sent my CV in and it was for Paramount Comedy Channel when it was setting up. And Paramount Comedy Channel was a cable channel showing Friends, Frasier, but they were doing little bits in between. And little did I know, everyone was there. Lee Francis in the art room. Ali G was doing stuff there. Um, Mash and Peas as Little Britain were there. Um, I, as researchers, I had, um, um, what are they called? You know, peep show guys. I mean, everyone was there. It was crazy. And uh, it was only, and I went and started working there and then just slowly started making my own stuff. And that's how it happened. But it was only a year later, I realized that they'd been told at Paramount Comedy Channel that there was this really, really good researcher on the Mark Thomas comedy called Dom. And it wasn't me. Dom English was amazing. That was great. And they literally took the wrong person. And so I started. So I started doing that. And then um, there was a guy who ran the publicity for Paramount Comedy Channel, and he was spending a lot of money on ads and stuff. And he was seeing the stuff I was doing, and he just said, "Well, why don't you try and get us in the news? Because normally, if you get a funny stunt in the news, you have to then put a Daily Mirror, no offense, ban banner on it, you know, stuff like that. But because Paramount Comedy Channel is supposed to be funny, all we had to do was get a funny story, and then it kind of links it to that." And I was really into my, still into my politics then. So we did a show called War of the Flea and we started chasing Peter Mandelson around. Um, we pretended to be his underworld. He was known as the, you know, the, the king of the underworld, or the dark lord of spin. 
So we set up a fan club of vampires and Frankenstein, and we just followed him around everywhere, chasing, going, we love you. And we got the front page of The Guardian with it. Like, first hit we did. That was amazing. And then we put a, we put a, um, uh, a Millennium Dome in his garden, uh, which he had to get rid of. We then built a 42-foot statue of him called The Prince and put it on <laughs> Westminster Green. We had so much fun. And, and Channel 4 just started seeing this. And they, in the end, contacted me and said, would you like to make a, a show? And I said, yes. And I said, this is what I want to do. And the, the commissioning editor was Caroline Leddy. And she'd just finished doing Brass Eye. And when I told her what I wanted oh, to yeah. do, she, she just said, oh, for fuck's sake, I've just been in court for like two years. Please, <laughs> can you just do something? But that's not political, like just do something non-controversial. And at the time I was like, no, I'm intelligent. I want to do that. But obviously I wanted the show. So I did. And that was the best thing that ever happened to me, because what I would have made would have been funny, but very niche. Mm. And actually Trigger Happy was just liberating in that it was just like anything that's funny, do. So I was, it, it was all luck. I mean, that's what's amazing. You just have to make and follow your luck, basically. Yeah, Trigger Happy was very relatable, wasn't it? Anyone could watch it and could could understand the situations you're in, and and it makes sense. But it's um, you're talking about doing that rush of when you're starting to do these things oh. and you're getting a rush. Me, that that really is explains why we all do what we do because you can't replicate that really. That but is, I, I can't explain moments of 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 hidden camera, especially the rush is so extraordinary. We, we used to. It was we used to we used to describe it a bit like what we felt a bank robbery must be like because firstly one of the rules one of the rules of doing hidden camera is you find if you make a big scene or you you know when you're a bank robber for instance when you go into a bank I'm not giving anyone advice on that <laughs> but one of the things they do they go in they swear they fire a gun into the air and it kind of makes everyone look at them and that, so you've got them so they don't think about anything else and in the same sense with hidden camera. Once I'm starting to do something, Sam could get really close with the camera because people just, once they're looking at you, they get tunnel vision. They don't look around. So you could get away with a lot of stuff. But there were moments when we had something big set up and we'd have, you know, 100 Mexicans hidden around a corner and they were all about to run down a road and the road's totally normal and we're sitting ready to give the signal. And you just think, this is, I mean, it's pathetic, but it's so great. Like, we've got this power. We're about to change this scene this reality i mean in a really silly way but it was it's just a total rush it was just really fun but that moment when you and, and i think that can be translated to anything a lot of people listen to this podcast are creative people so it might be someone that does painting or that makes cards or something but everyone gets that rush when they know they're doing that thing that they love you know it might be someone that makes videos on tiktok or something but when you're doing it it's really hard to describe and hard to replicate, but you know, I, I, I just love doing this. I'm loving this. And I think whether you're someone that does it full-time or does it part-time on the side or whatever, if you're able to do that at some point in your life, then I think you're a very, very lucky person. You are a lucky person. But on the other hand, I've, you know, there'll be moments on Twitch. I love doing Twitch, but there'll be moments on Twitch where I'm doing it and I'm thinking, why am I doing this? I mean, I'm loving it, but is anyone else? Like, you know, so, but yeah, no, I just, I think, Essentially, that creative thing, you know, in whatever sense, is a very weird thing, isn't it? Because I think sometimes people don't even know it's in there. Yeah, it's kind of like, but and and you don't even know until you find that thing you're good at that actually, oh my god, this is. And I don't know why. Like, why are we born to dress as a squirrel in my case, or you know, whatever? It's a very odd thing. And and for me, it's it's attention seeking. I think I don't know. It's very odd. I have a I have a need for affirmation, definitely. Um, uh, there is a theory that a lot of people, certainly in my game, lacked father figures or didn't have 
relationships with fathers. So it's a kind of constant need for reassurance. I mean, I'm desperately needy and show-offy in that way. So I don't know if that is the case, but... Yeah, I would agree well, with yeah, that. Possibly, so, so yeah. From my own experiences, definitely. Um, had a, had a, a sort of very strange relationship with my own father who was um, had lots of uh, issues with alcoholism and stuff. And yeah, and uh, certainly that desire to feel loved and uh, appreciated is, is, yeah. is definitely there and it's definitely there in what I try and put out in the but world it, as but well. It, but it doesn't happen, does it? No. I mean, it's 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 so fleeting. I mean, especially yeah. stand-up and stuff. It's like, I you know, I don't do stand-up. I've done two tours where I've tried to, because weirdly I have an utter fear of public speaking, which is a bit ironic considering I'm happy to slide around London as a snail, but that's when I'm not me. Mm. Uh, and I tried to conquer that by giving sort of travel talks and stuff. And what the only thing I learned was that it's a kind of, it's 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 just this terrible thing where you could literally do the best gig in your life and the whole i'm not saying this has ever happened to me but everyone's standing up and cheering and applauding and singing rule britannia as you leave the building but the next morning you just got to fucking start again it doesn't you know it's yeah. not it doesn't stay there like and that's i suppose what i like about telly and making shows or writing a book is that at least you have something physical to mm. say right this is i've done that i can move on and it doesn't disappear Whereas all that live stuff I do and you do, or it's sort of it's very fleeting and and you can't hold it, which is quite weird. Yeah, you're you're always chasing you're always you're chasing, chasing the screen again next time. Yeah. And, and then if you have another gig, that you, you do a ten out of ten gig, and then you do an eight out of ten gig, the eight out of ten gig it feels terrible, and you feel like you're shit at stand up. Absolutely, because you're chasing the high yeah. from before. And, and you could have a hundred great reviews, one bad review. I know every fucking word of the bad review. Yeah. I mean, it's just it's ridiculous. I don't know why we do it to ourselves, but there you go. I think we are wired in a certain way that that, yeah. that, that does that. But you're right about having that tangible thing. I think as well. I, I've started doing like TikTok videos and stuff, which I know for a third. Oh, I've started man, TikTok. It's, yeah. Oh God, it's, it's completely unacceptable. Yeah. Um, but it's addictive and it's fun. Yeah. But it is nice to be able to look back and be like, oh, yeah, I made that last week. That's quite good. Okay, that one wasn't so good. But like having that, you're right, having that tangible thing you can look back on. Well, I always um, thought that was one of the problems with being creative was that, uh, so for instance, it's why I really mistrust bankers and the financial people is these people are fucking shifting shit around. But at the end of the day, when they go home, what have you, like, what are you showing? A wire transfer from Zurich. It's like, <laughs> there's fuck all there. And I think whatever you do, even if, you know, even if it is stand up, you know, you are producing something. Yeah. I think that there's a there's a physical, but it is nice to have a physical thing you can hold a DVD, a book. Uh, I don't know how you can hold a podcast, but you know what I mean? Yeah. It's like yeah. it, it is. I think it's really important that because that's it's it almost marks your progress and you can look back and think, oh, I've got better or a lot worse or whatever. I think it's really important. Can I just say we said this on the podcast recently that the the, the, the whole idea of quote unquote business to me is a complete sham. Me there, too. There's, there's a Twitter account. <laughs> I don't know if you call it called Fesshole, and people were like, "Oh, I love Fesshole. Fesshole. Yeah. It's so good. It is so good. I but just the number the number of times people in there say, "Oh, I, I I've somehow got to the head of business, and I haven't oh. got a fucking clue what I'm doing." You you read the one I think I read yesterday. He said uh, I lied on my CV, ended up being yeah. marketing manager, and now I've got a whole lot of execs below me. I've got no idea what I'm doing. I'm like, <laughs> yeah, no, no, why? It's fucking no, great. Exactly. business. Bollocks. And again, any any business or any thing that has to use code, you know, it has to use basically they all that business speak is just shite. I mean, it's just a way of making themselves, you know, seem let's proactivate this and segue through and the synergy and the real all that crap. It's just a way of making what they do seem more important because it just isn't. It's terrible. But unfortunately, it's a lot of very thick people making a lot of money. 
And all, the smart, a, and all the smart people do this sort of interesting, weird shit. Yeah, and we sit I'm, in our bedrooms grumbling, we haven't got any money. It's, it's fucking hell. annoying. <laughs> it's so true. It's so true. I mean, uh, we have just lost all our business listeners now, but uh, I don't think we uh, we had that many. I don't think you had any business listeners. Nah. <laughs> they're, they're too busy fucking, you know, burning down a bank. or Doing nothing. Do. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. But so politics has always been a big thing for your big interests. And I know you, you stood um, many, many years ago. Is yeah. that <laughs> how how was that experience for you? So politics I've I mean I think growing up in Lebanon you can't not not be into politics because it's kind of the lifeblood of the place and it's everything is political and you know there was a war you know when a war when you go to a war over politics it becomes crucial and I've always been fascinated by it I've always read it my first heroes were like foreign correspondents and that's what I wanted to be um and politics I think what I realized oh, I've got so much to say about politics I, I think firstly the the Firstly, I'm really interested in politics, but actually I'm not political. I mean, obviously, if I had to come down to it, I'm probably more left than right, but I'm not massively left. I hate extremists. I don't like anyone. I'm suspicious of anyone that is convinced of their own rectitude, that convinced are right. And for me, I, I really like people that are able to say, you know what, I don't know. I haven't got mm. a clue. <laughs> the worst thing you can do in politics is, say, uh, make a U-turn, change your mind. To me, that's the politician I want is someone that goes, you know what? I've thought about it and I'm wrong and we just don't do that. And so I'm a centrist, which is, you know, like a sort of get hatred from both sides. But I have stood in an election. I, for, again, for this show I did, War of the Flea on Paramount Comedy Channel, I set up a political party called the Teddy Bear Alliance. And this was at the time of sort of John Major and Sleaze. And we had some terrible sayings like, say no to fleas. We wanted a single European honey. We were going to make Danny Bear remember her foreign secretary and stuff like that. And I decided to march on Westminster. And this was the 97 election uh, when Blair had his landslide. And so I decided to march on Westminster. So I got every, pretty much every single teddy bear outfit available from any shop in Britain. And so we had 700 teddy bears. Wow. We, we mar <laughs> it was quite fun. And we marched on, on, uh, on uh, Parliament. And it was I don't know who the people, I don't even know how we got 700 people, but whatever. Some of them were very angry about other things, nothing to do with us. You know, because you just take who you can get. So there were spin-off groups of bears, like, defacing stuff. And <laughs> it was basically like a bear riot, which I was in charge of, and it was a nightmare. And I decided to run. So we were arrested in the end by the police. The main bears, the bear ringleaders, which included me, we were arrested by the police, and we were told to remove our bears from Westminster. I said, I have no power over these bears anyway it was it was a bit of a nightmare but i thought okay this is it we got some momentum we got loads of press from it so i thought i'd stand against alan clark in kensington and chelsea mainly because i'd read alan clark's diaries and i just wanted to meet alan clark i thought he was great not great but i just thought he was an interesting character so i i ran as edward bear uh from the teddy bear alliance and the kensington and chelsea fucking hated us from the they knew we were going to try and hijack their their by-election so obviously what happens is you have to put in a deposit and if you don't get a certain amount of one percent yeah, or whatever yeah. you get your lose your deposit paramount comedy channel paid the deposit which at the time was 500 quid now they so put it up to 10 grand a lot, isn't it? to yeah. stop stop morons like me doing it uh because you know it was screaming lord such and people dressed as fish and stuff doing it but we so anyway we i did and then they decided that they were going to try and stop me running they didn't like it and so they said that i couldn't run because my name wasn't Edward Bear, so therefore I was running under a false name. So I went and had my name changed by Deedbulb <laughs> to Edward Bear. 
which someone reminded me the other day, I've never changed back. So I, I, I mean, the deed poll thing is so weird. You go to a lawyer and he says, do you agree to this? And you sign this thing and you've changed your name by deed poll. But I've never changed it back. I've never been in. So technically, my name is Edward Bear, but no one gives a shit. So the yeah. whole deed poll thing is very weird. It's handy, anyway, though, because you, you never know where you might need it. I know. <laughs> so, so I arrived back at Kensington and Chelsea with my certificate and oh, they were so angry and they had it. They rang up the lawyer, but they let us in. And then, yeah, so the, I did lots of campaign stuff during the campaign. And then and on the night, uh, I delivered quite a moving speech, actually, even though I came fifth. I beat the then UKIP, which was run by um, Kilroy Silk at the time. Yes, and they of course. Were just, they were just oh, yeah. a bunch of racists. Very I mean, tans, not, not, Very they're tans. not now, but they were really awful yeah. then. I mean, terrible. And uh, so, yeah, I came fifth. And although it's not traditional, I did give quite a long and moving speech before Alan Clark came on, <laughs> which was quite fun. So it was weird. It was an interesting way. But one of the things, one of the reasons, you, you know, you don't want to run as an one of the reasons they don't want you to run as an MP or, or stand is because obviously you're making a mockery of the system. But actually, it is a really interesting insight. Everyone should have a go at it because it really lets you know how the system works because firstly you're allowed into all the things that you're not allowed into if you're a candidate they have to let you into various things mm. so you just see the whole system working and it is actually quite impressive the whole thing I, it was really interesting it gives you a real insight into how to i mean i don't know if you want that insight but i've got it into what happens at by-elections and elections and it is really interesting so i loved it i think people should know that you know uh, voting and democracy and all that affects all of us i think we probably should all know that and it, you really are mocking it and aren't mocking it because you're proving that anybody can stand even if they're standing under a weird name or dressed or whatever but i was kind of i was the point i was definitely mocking it i mean really <laughs> i just i just wanted because they have to read out all the party names they they got by that now on news now they say all the other names are on a website but at the time News at 10 had to read out the Teddy Bear Alliance all the time, and that was really good. And we did, we did some great stuff. So at the time, Michael Portillo was... Uh, so what happened? John Major resigned, and Michael Portillo was supposed to be standing for the... He, he, and he couldn't make his mind up whether he was or not. Now, this is probably a bit racist, and I get cancelled for it now, but Michael Portillo originally is Spanish. Uh, his dad was a Spanish... Uh, actually, a left-wing Spaniard who fought in the Civil War and came over here. So it wasn't a massive jump to think, it probably was, to think he had Mexican cousins. So anyway, we all dressed up as Mexicans and we turned up as a bunch of mariachi and basically campaigned behind every live news broadcast from the green saying, you know, Miguel for Presidente and stuff like that, which was probably wrong. We also, there was a Tory chicken um, and the chicken was sent out because I think... I can't remember who the uh, someone wouldn't debate major or whatever. I can't remember what it was. And so we kidnapped the Tory chicken live. And that was a bit weird because he was a runner and he was really freaked out. So we had to release him. But my favorite thing I've done politically, and I think my if I've left one thing to the British political institution is they got so bored every time that there was something happening in politics. Westminster Green, all the crews would be there and every day I'd turn up doing something in the background, getting free publicity. So they thought, fuck this. And one day we turned up and they built, and it's still there now, every time they do it, they built scaffolding. And so all the news crews were high up about, I don't know, 15 foot off the ground so that they could have the view of Big Ben, but anyone in the background they could get rid of. So undaunted, I went and hired a, an acrobat troupe and I had a man dressed as a chicken on top of a pyramid, human pyramid. And I, I haven't got this footage, but somewhere in the middle of a live interview, this chicken 
just appears <laughs> wobbling at the top of a live pyramid. Uh, it was fantastic. I mean, it was so stupid, but I just, it was a lot of fun, you know. It was kind of point, pointless anarchism. That's what it was. But I mean, it's, you still get it today, don't you? Because you've got Count Binface, who's run a few times in Maidenhead, I think. Uh, uh, Count um, Binface always runs, and I like him. He yeah. doesn't ever say anything. He's quite yeah. a solid character. Because you had Screaming Lord Such was the old one. He'd run for everything. Yeah. I mean, it was must that have Monster cost Ra- him. Was that Monster Raving? That was Monster Raving Leading Party. Leading party. Yeah. And, and they must have, I mean, it must have cost him a fortune. Yeah. He, he was ran in almost every by-election. I remember a dolphin, I think, beat Nigel Farage, in, uh, <laughs> which was nice. <laughs> And then, of course, a monkey was actually uh, elected mayor of Hartlepool. But you know why? Because, again, my book that I'm plugging, Such Miserable Weather, I've gone around England. And there's a famous story in Hartlepool that during the Napoleonic Wars, um, a French naval ship crashed uh, on the rocks outside Hartlepool. And for some reason, this French naval ship had a sort of pet monkey and it was dressed in a uniform. And the only survivor from the ship was this monkey, and it appeared on the beach. And the people of Hartlepool came down, and I don't think they'd met many French people. They assumed this monkey was a French soldier, so they gave it a trial, and then they hung it they for hung being it, a yeah. spy. <laughs> I just love that shit. And I mean, the, mas- feel... the mascot of Hartlepool United now is Hangus the monkey, or was that's, for a bit. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Yeah, yeah. So there you go. You got to love that stuff. I mean, poor monkey, Bad. but yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh dear. Thank you so much for coming on the pod today. Really appreciate your time. I, and, again, yeah. can I apologise for being late? I'm, no, I, I don't you think I'm a wanker, but I really am never late. So no, I'm, don't I'm worry at all. But no. I really enjoyed it. So it was really Thank, thank you. Thank well, you. thank you. Yes, so have we. It's been an absolute joy talking yeah. to you. It's been thank you. Yeah. We really, really cool. appreciate your time. Thank you so much. And good luck with the new book. So. Thank you very much. Yeah, thank oh, you. Thank you. There you go. That was Dom Jolly on the Blank Podcast. What a fantastic man! Uh, I mean, that was one of the funniest episodes we've had. Yeah, you know, we laughed a lot during. There that. was quite a lot of uh, blue blue language, which you know was, I, yeah. I don't mind. But obviously, if it offends no. any of our listeners, I'm sorry we'll put about the that. explicity on on it. To make yeah. sure. I think we do most episodes anyway. Um, what an engaging individual! You can mm. see why he's been so successful in the entertainment industry. Very, very engaging. Very bright, um, very bright guy. I thought very, you know, very astute. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. 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 But just a great company. Um, and it's really interesting, actually, because we've had a lot of famous people on. And actually, I think that, that might be one of the first few times we sort of touched on. I think we've maybe done it with a few before, but touched on sort of what it's like to be famous. I realized we never mm. really asked our guests, like, what was it like being famous? And, you know, Dom was telling that great story about um, <laughs> being a stalker. Um, but I thought, yeah, that was an interesting little insight that we don't, mm. we, don't we don't tend to ask our guests really too many sort of pointed questions. We let them talk about it. But, it's interesting talking to someone who is famous, you know, and when Trigger Happy was on, you know, God, it was that I remember being in school and everyone talking about Trigger yeah. Happy every, you know, every week when it came out. So, yeah, no, that was very interesting. So, but we appreciated Dom really, you know, sharing his story and um, yeah, what a great guest. Yeah, it's interesting. That's funny that the thing about the fame thing, I think that's that's something that we sh- it would be nice to delve into a little bit more. I mean, that could be a whole other podcast, can it? I'm getting ideas now. Um, <laughs> you know, but it is, it's really interesting. And we, I suppose we did touch on it a little bit in the Nick Offerman podcast where he was sort of talking about moving to LA and how weird LA is and starting to get free stuff uh, mm. and thinking I'm actually in a 
really good financial position. <laughs> I don't need free <laughs> stuff. Um, and and funny enough, I was thinking the other day, I was like watching, well, like at the, the, the football and um, Wimbledon and everything. Obviously, that was a few weeks ago. But and, and all the celebs that obviously get like, just get tickets to go in and it can actually, they they probably all right. So they probably could buy some of those, you know, <laughs> tickets in the best yeah. seats. I was thinking, oh, that's, you know, it's a shame that um, they can't be given to um, more regular people. But there we go. You'd hope that. It's funny. I, someone actually tweeted out the guest list for the Euro final. And like some of the names on there, like you've never been to a football match in your life and you don't care about football. Like one of them was like Ed Sheeran. And you're like, Ipswich Town fan. Yeah, yeah. Football. Well, Tom Cruise, I was a bit like, why is Tom yeah, exactly, Cruise there? Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Tom Cruise probably doesn't even, like, thinks it's called soccer. Like, doesn't he know what I mean? Well, doesn't bless him. Even... Tom Cruise had a busy day that day because I think, I don't know if you saw that he was doing the rounds. He'd been at Wimbledon that day. He'd done, <laughs> he'd been to some golf tournament. Um, oh, no, Goodwood. He'd been to Goodwood Goodwood oh, races. Yeah. And then yeah. he'd been, yeah, and then he got to the Euros as well. So he'd had a busy day. That, that helicopter. So that's. That helicopter yeah, pilot had a busy day. <laughs> that's South London, down to sort of Chichester area, isn't it? I'll just because my yeah. parents go to good yeah, yeah. And then back up to North London. So yeah, yeah that helicopter's done a lot of Yeah. Um but anyway. So I'm, glad, was... I'm glad I'm glad Tom had a good time though. Uh, yeah, I just I'd love to know if he actually ever knows anything about football. That'd be well he was sitting next to David Beckham, so I assume David <laughs> was giving Dropping him, him a few, few like yeah. <laughs> Cheer at this bit. Yeah. Slag <laughs> yeah. like off the ref at this bit. Yeah. <laughs> 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 Who knows? Tom, I think Tom Cruise probably does know quite a lot about football, actually. I think he's quite a knowledge, knowledgeable person. Do you know who does? One American celebrity who knows loads about football. Were you going to say Tom um, Hanks? No, but he's supposed to be an Aston Villa fan. He's Villa, yeah, so he clearly doesn't know anything about football. Then. He's <laughs> Villa, Villa through and through. No, it's Seth Myers. You know, he used to be oh, on yeah. Saturday Night Live and now does his own show. Like huge football fan. I can't remember. I think his team might be Tottenham, possibly. But um, Let's get yeah, it always tickles me. It always tickles me when like the American celebs are actually like diehard. And then of course you've got the guys who've taken over um, Ryan Reynolds. Ryan Reynolds and thing you take over Wrexham. Well, which is, um, and I was going to say another person um, is um, Matthew McConaughey, who also is a part owner in a an American football team, uh, yes. soccer team. Do you know, I'm, it's a bit harsh of me slagging off Tom Cruise of calling it soccer, even though I don't know if he does it or not. Because um, soccer is, I think soccer is what it was called originally. Yeah, well, so, yeah. Soccer is taken back from association football. So I think it's actually a much older word than people. But it does make sense to call think. it football because you do mainly use your feet or your, you know, use your head as well. Which, but, which, which makes but, American uh, football ridiculous. American football is mainly handled, isn't it? So that's yeah. what I mean. And, and, and rugby football used to be, you know, it's called rugby yeah. football, isn't it? But it, yeah, but at and least I do, they, they, they do use their feet occasionally, but it is more handled. But at least rugby people had the, you know, the fourth, the, 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 the you know, the grace to yeah. call it rugby to rather than American football. It's not American football. You know, Gaelic football, they kick it. Yeah. So it should be called they, American you know, rugby is what you're saying. American rugby. It's exactly what it should be called. Anyway, Giles, we are, we <laughs> are honestly, no one's listening at this point as, as, as per, but thank you, Dom. We've really got away from that. Thank you, Dom, for being a fantastic guest. We really appreciate it. And shall we uh, finally reveal what our Instagram and Facebook handles are for those people who, haven't worked out yeah please do follow us on instagram and facebook we are at blank pod and we've just remarkably passed, we've just passed a thousand followers on instagram as well which is a, a nice little milestone so please do follow us 
Yeah, come on. We there. need to get up to 10,000, and then we can put links in the story. So come on. Also, I need that on my personal one. So if you could follow yeah. at Jim Daily Comedy as well. Yeah, follow I us get on everything old... and follow me yeah. on Twitter, Eli's yeah. Tender 10. Yeah, so, exactly. Yeah. And, and Black yeah, Pods. Just... Yeah, follow us on all the. Do you know, I can't do reels on Instagram. Can you do reels? Have you tried reels? Um, yeah, I can do reels. Yeah. I can't. So no, I've got the blank account has it. The FYP account, another football one, I, one has it. My Jim and Dave comedy one has it. Jim Daily comedy doesn't. It's the oldest account. In, uh, it doesn't, doesn't make sense. They know what you're so going to do with it. That's why. <laughs> yeah, they've seen my TikToks and they're like, yeah, no, sorry, mate. Block <laughs> no, the reels. I'm going to risk it. <laughs> Jim Daily comedy. <laughs> anyway, if anyone from Instagram is listening, please give me reels because it's the only account that actually needs it. Out of all the yeah, come on, Instagram. Instagram. Pull your fingers out. It's unacceptable. Anyway... We have really rambled on this, yeah. this outro. Thank you, Dom. Thank you to our listeners for uh, being fantastic. Thank you for tweeting us. Thank you to our patrons for your continued support. Well, we there's some great enjoy- patron content on this episode. I'd say, yeah, yeah, it really is. So, And we didn't mention it at the top, but if you're listening to the main feed, um, then you won't hear the extra content from Dom. There's mm. some brilliant, brilliant stories about his yeah, time lots of really TV. good anecdotes about Trigger Happy. So, yeah, definitely. Very much worth signing up to the Patreon, which is patreon.com forward slash blank pod cast nice. so please do got that right uh, please do sign up for some extra content from all our guests not just from dom mm. um but that's it charles have a great week mate. and you thank you and um we'll see you again next week on the blank podcast goodbye at the St. George's walking around without his knee brace looking okay round two name something that's not boring a laundry oh a book club computer solitaire huh ah oh, sorry we were looking for Chumba Casino that's right ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Full work prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. This is a Glass Box Media Podcast.